pray for Pastor Faye. I think she's preaching in Seward today. Uh, we are sort of the go-to church when people need someone to uh, minister for them. And I get to rotate them around. Usually I get to send Faye and Blaine. They're the ones raring to preach. And uh, they preach even if there's no audience to listen. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they're having a good time. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to bring our tithe and offerings to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have prospered our state. We are in our state and we have prospered. We thank you for your goodness economically. We ask, Lord, today for the holiday season is big on retail. Many of our people work at Walmart or Fred Meyer or Cars or uh, Pennies. Uh, many of our people are in the retail sector. And we ask God that you would provide for them. We ask that you would provide financially for our employees in the retail. We ask God that you would uh, provide for our managers in retail. And for years we prayed for economic development in East Anchorage. And we have it by your grace. Thank you for Walmart coming in. Thank you for Fred Meyer. There's a new dentist right down the street. Our mall that we uh, own and use for your glory is full of uh, lessers or renters. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that East Anchorage is vibrant. A lot of our people live in South Anchorage and Eagle River and Wasilla, but uh, we are thankful for East Anchorage. This is home for us, and uh, we thank you that we're able to be the light here. And people talk about, you know, East Anchorage has this problem and that problem. Well, if you look around, there are some awesome churches in East Anchorage. We thank you for Anchorage Baptist Temple. We ask you to bless them, their new pastor. We thank you for a church of God in Christ, greater friendly down the street. We thank you for Muldoon Road Denali. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the vibrant work of Jesus happening here in East Anchorage. We thank you again for the retail sector, and we ask you to bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give your tithe and offerings today. I would like to announce uh, Alice uh, and uh, Marie have a wonderful conference starting this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, healing the five wounds, women of the heart. Every woman in Jesus' genealogy represents a wound that women may face that God surely wants to heal. So you're invited to join our women's conference, fellowship, teaching, drama, and healing. The drama is not the conference. It's people doing dramas in the conference. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, This is Alice. She'll be at her table uh, following the service. If you'd like to register and be involved, I think it would be helpful maybe to many of you. Thank you, Alice, for all the work to put that together and planning. And uh, thank you to Marie as well. Uh, yes, we are going to do Thanksgiving together. I'd like to make sure that you uh, know what we're doing, so I will publish that. I select the movies this year, so if you don't like them, blame me. Every year, somebody complains about something. It's just the way we roll around here. And uh, we're going to open the doors at 11, and the end of the Chicago Bears-Detroit Lions game will be on. At noon, the food will be served. At 1230, the Dallas... Cowboys will play the Buffalo Bills at one o'clock. We're going to show the new 2019 version of Pilgrim's Progress. It's animated. They say it's Grand Slam good. 1.30, we're going to bring out the board games and children's crafts. 3.15, we're going to show the movie Heavens to Betsy. It's a Christian movie uh, comedy, Heavens to Betsy 2. At 3.30, basketball and volleyball in the gymnasium. 4.20, the Saints play the Falcons. At 5.30 in 
in this room will show the nativity story. And uh, it's come and go as you will. And it's funny. We have more food than any group of humans should eat. And we always have to get more. It doesn't matter what the year is. So usually around 5 o'clock, I bust out about 30 or 40 pizzas because people are still hungry after eating all those uh, carbs. But that's the way it rolls. So Next Sunday, between the services, the members uh, will be in attendance because it's our annual business meeting. So next Sunday at 10.30 to 11, well, I think we can do it in a half hour, will be our annual business meeting, and you're invited to attend and participate in that as well. I haven't had the opportunity to preach for quite a while. We had our missions month, and uh, so I was on the bench for the good guys. You're stuck stuck with the second string today, me, and uh, so here we go. This isn't my sermon yet, but uh, I, I, do any of you fly very often? You know, uh, people who fly quite a bit. Uh, these are, I have 75 things that were said by uh, flight attendants or pilots on the airplanes. I won't do all 75, but... Uh, they're pretty funny. Hi, I'm Captain Amanda Smith. Yes, I'm a female pilot. And as a benefit, if we get lost on the way, I won't be afraid to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> Weather at our destination is 50 degrees with some broken clouds, but they'll try to have them fixed before we arrive. All right. Uh, there may be 50 ways to leave your lover, but there are only four ways out of this airplane. No smoking is allowed, not even in the toilets. Don't be naughty in our potty. If you do, there's a $2,000 fine. And if you had that kind of money, you'd be flying United instead of Southwest. (laughs) And then this one's pertinent to us. For those of you wondering about the weather at our destination, Honolulu is reporting sunny skies and temperatures of 86 degrees. Unfortunately, our destination is Nome, Alaska, which is 27 below zero. (laughs) Uh, funny. Lord, as we study the text today, as we seek to accelerate, as we seek to be excellent, as we excel, we ask for insight into your word and your revelation. We love you. We love each other. We're glad to grow old being friends. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Speaking of growing old as friends, right back there is Ruth Fultz. Help me say to her, happy birthday for her 91st birthday, right back there. Yeah. When you're nine years from 100, you did pretty well, that's for sure. And uh, God bless you, Ruth. We got to start planning your 100th birthday party. All right. The text today, thank you, Annalisa, for reading our text, 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, let's us know that the emphasis is upon God's grace. Are you breathing today? Say yeah. yeah. That's God's grace. Can you see today? Yeah, that's God's grace. Uh, everything in existence today is in fact the grace of God. And I really do enjoy knowing a bunch of churches named Grace Community. What they're trying to say is we're a community of grace. And I think it's, it's a great name. It's fantastic. And the New Testament writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit, place this huge emphasis upon the grace of God. I am going to guess that even if you're like eight years old or five years old or a hundred years old, one of your favorite songs is Amazing Grace. When you go to funerals, I don't know why everybody becomes Irish at a funeral, but when you go to a funeral, uh, uh, in high demand is Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. 
People want to hear amazing grace and often on the bagpipes. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Were you ever a wretch? <laughs> okay, you don't want to answer. Was the guy next to you ever a wretch? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Robert Schuler didn't like that song. You know, he was missed on changing classic. He changed amazing grace. Uh, and we're dealing with that right now uh, on changing classic things or not. Uh, for example, I've been leading you in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father. All my, uh, I believe Apostles' Creed. And the part, the Holy Catholic Church, means God's church universal. And that was written before the Catholic Church ever existed. So they didn't name Holy Catholic Church after the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church named itself after the creed. But some people want me to edit that. And I'm trying to figure out if I got enough guts to edit a 2,000-year-old Christian document, you know. And, uh, and so I think you can track with that. But anyways, Robert Schuler edited Amazing Grace to save. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. And... Uh, and I understand his heart, but I think for me, I pretty much qualify in the wretch category before Christ. Uh, all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And it's his grace. It's his amazing grace. It's his delightful grace. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget the day Tommy Davis came back from Africa defeated. We sent him out as a missionary. They got there and they were there like a month maybe or two months. Not very long were they in Africa when civil war broke out. And they began shooting all around Tommy's house. And they evacuated the Davises back to Alaska from Africa. And he was as low as a guy can be. And I said, why don't you preach? It's Wednesday night. Preach for us, Tommy. And we were meeting on this side uh, that, that week. And, and Tommy Davis got up and he said, you know, I don't, I, I'm home again. I don't have any great stories. Nobody's life was changed. Uh, matter of fact, it pretty much feels like we failed. But I remember this verse, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. And every time the sun comes up, so does his faithfulness. So I'm here today in the faithfulness of God. Amen. It's the sun coming up uh, is the faithfulness. Or for us, the, the moon coming out is the faithfulness of God. It is that amazing grace of God. Paul features that in this passage in verse uh, 3. It says, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. When we praise God, I think it's great to praise God for the grace in this church. The grace in this church. Was anybody addicted and now you've been set free? You're no longer addicted. Anybody delivered? Celebrate recovery. People are coming out of addictions by the... Were any of you incarcerated and kind of headed nowhere and you met Christ there and the grace of God reached you there or you were uh, drunk on a street corner somewhere and the grace of God reached you there or you were like me, you were a little boy in a Christian home. And uh, you knew a little bit, but you didn't know all about the realities of sin, but the grace of God touched you. I tell everybody, I got saved from a tricycle gang. You know, that's about the worst thing I ever was in my, in my childhood. But amazing grace. It's the grace of God. And uh, 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 maybe you, like me, were sick. As a child, I was sick unto death, and God has healed. You know, every single day since three years old has been a grace of God to me, because I was as good as dead. That was the day I was to die, but I'm 59. I got 56 years of grace. 
Oh, yeah, I got one hallelujah. Thanks, dog. It's you and me. I'm fired up about this. I don't know how you're doing, but uh, God's grace is incredible. James uh, it takes this in chapter one of his, uh, of his book, and he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So uh, anything good in your life? Oh, yeah, I'm warming you guys up. I know it's cold out and you got an extra hour of sleep. The problem with an extra hour of sleep is an extra hour to wake you up. But anyways, uh, it's good. You got a lot of good stuff in your life. It came from God. It came from God. Now, notice uh, this is not a big point, but it's worth noting. Uh, astrology is not where it's at. If you're in astrology, get out. It doesn't please the Lord. Notice the passage. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of the stars, the father of lights. Don't build your life based around the planetary alignments, James is saying. I've been to a wedding, an astrology wedding, when I was doing mission service in India. They got married by the stars. It's, it was a whole demonic thing. And uh, brothers and sisters, your, your blessing is that people go, what's your sign? I'm like, the cross? You know, I don't know. I don't even know these words. Uh, but we're not in that. We have a good God. And every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It's his grace. Praise God. I just had the best day the other day. Uh, it was a couple hours, but it made it for a great day. Uh, we had Elijah, my grandson's birthday. And I, uh, I got to be with uh, the Butler family, who's the other side of uh, uh, grandparenting there. And we got to hang out for a couple hours. My son and daughter-in-law are house-sitting in a really nice house. So I'm in the jacuzzi on the mountainside overlooking Anchorage. And I'm thinking... This is good. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody having a good life? Thank you, Blaine. I don't know what we're going to do with this crowd, getting us wild up about the goodness of the Lord. Matthew deals with the grace of God. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's our job description, church. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Doesn't that smack it in the face of rich evangelists? The Bible is basically telling us, freely you have received, freely give. Does anybody here deserve an ice maker in the... You know what I'm saying? Does anybody, I, we just got a, a, an ice maker in the kitchen. Yeah, that's a good day. But you know what? It's pretty down, pretty low down on the priority list when you're thinking about the grace of God when some of our babies in West Africa don't have milk yet. You know, it, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a balance between, uh, you know what? We've been blessed and, and, uh, you know, we didn't buy the cool ice maker. We bought the less cool ice maker. It still makes enough ice for what we need. But the fact is, as we kind of deal with the blessings and the favors and the graces of God in our life, it's freely we've received this. So it's freely that we give. And studying this brought up a song from my childhood. And I thought, I bet you we haven't sung that here in 30 years. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. 
Go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. Did anybody old enough to know that song? It was just me. Oh, yeah, this side here. You guys are young on the left. But uh, it's free. Praise God. We're going to go to Holy Communion in just about 20 minutes. We're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. And your salvation was free. Amen. It was the grace of God in your life. Uh, you know, uh, when Elijah sees me, he runs down the hall. And he goes, Papa, Papa, Papa. Nothing's better than that. I'm just telling you what. It's a grace of God. He doesn't need to love me. This grandson doesn't have to love me. It's a gift from God. My dog even likes me. It's a gift from God. It's grace. Okay, I've got to change subjects or I'm going to orbit. It's God's grace. You see, in fact, God's grace and God's grace alone is responsible for all existence and all goodness. There's no earth without the grace of God. There's no universe There's no humanity. There is nothing without the grace of God. Why is there a universe? If you like philosophy and like to study epistemology, why is there, uh, why is there truth? What is truth? Why is there any of this? It's the grace of God. And, uh, and so the point is that our text today opens with, but enjoy the grace of God. In the church of Corinth, Paul is saying, enjoy that grace. Uh, I enjoy the instruments. I enjoy the paintings. I enjoy the songs. I enjoy, I enjoy the, the food that we're able to serve. I don't drink coffee, so I make tea in my own office. But I enjoy Robin and her team's ministry of having uh, beverages for everybody. Man, enjoy the grace of the Lord. Enjoy the forgiveness of your sin. Have you ever felt so guilty you didn't want to look anybody in the eye and then you received his grace? And you could hold your head up again, and you could say, "There, I used to be that, but thank God, He has redeemed me, he has changed me. I'm new creation in Christ Jesus. It's the grace of God. It's true spiritually too. Ephesians two eight and uh, nine and ten. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And so we celebrate this grace of God for our salvation. If you are here today and you have never placed your trust in Christ for salvation, I encourage you today, say, God, I place my trust in Jesus for salvation. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And you know, he doesn't save you by works of righteousness that you have done. You're not saved based on your bank account, based on your degree, based on anything other than his grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. A lot of, we have a disagreement with some people who thinks that the faith is the gift of God. And uh, in a sense, faith is the gift of God. But the reason that school says that faith is the gift of God is because they believe that God didn't give it to everybody. They, they would call it the limited atonement. That, that in fact, Jesus' death was only for the certain number of people. And grace has been given, but faith is only given to some. Our, our belief is along the lines of the passage that says, and to all he has given a measure of faith. 
So everybody here has been given a measure of faith. And, and what is the gift of God when he has provided you a measure of faith? The gift of God is his grace. When you activate that faith, his grace saves you. Praise God. What a tremendous thing. It doesn't end there. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Don't try to earn your way to heaven. Uh, when I was a kid, that was a common sentence, up the down staircase. You know, don't try to go up the staircase and work. Jesus came down the staircase, and we're getting ready to celebrate that. Our Christmas sermon series is called, This Changes Everything. When Jesus came down the staircase and went into Mary's womb as one cell, it began the process of changing everything. Don't try to earn your way to God. Don't try to become a better person so God can do something with you. Don't try to become a... No, you're saved by his grace. Why? Because we are his workmanship. A lot of times we quote Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, Alice, your ministry is poema, and that's the main place that people go for that word. It means work of art, uh, uh, for we are God's masterpiece. We are the work of a master craftsman. It's not you. You're not the work of you. You're the work of a master craftsman. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we have the exquisite, we move to the holiday season that's around the corner from us. And we have the exquisite joy of having received God's grace. Amen. What a privilege to have received God's grace. And we have the accompanying delight of giving God's grace. I'll never forget my early year as a youth pastor at Maldoon Assembly, 1983. This lady came to me. I'm 23 years old. She came to me and uh, she basically grabbed me by my ear and said, you will kick out that girl out of this youth group. She had an abortion and she must be out of this ministry. I said, well, I kind of thought we were here for people that needed, you know, help. <laughs> I thought we were here. She will, uh, what was the word? She will infect this youth group. You need to kick her out. Well, of course I didn't. Uh, the lady should have gone, not the, not the girl. But the same year, her daughter became pregnant. And she took her daughter down and paid for her daughter's abortion. So she wanted to receive grace for her. But she wanted everybody else to get the wrath of God. No, the Bible says, freely you've received his grace. So you freely give that grace. It's, a, it's the passing along, not of your grace. It's not, God, I'm going to give to somebody all this grace I have. No, I don't have any. I'm going to pass along the grace I have received from the Lord. And the grace that I've received from the Lord is one of the richest things anybody can ever receive because that grace included the sacrifice of God himself, his son, Jesus Christ. And to receive that grace, to be able to look you in the eye and extend to you the grace that God has extended to me. 
For you to extend to your wife the grace that God extended to you and to your husband the grace that God extended to you and to your kids and, uh, and uh, your neighbors and, and those people that maybe rub you wrong or people that aren't the easiest for you to love. The Bible tells us in this passage, it is 2 Corinthians 8, he said, here's what I want you to do. Because you've received this amazing grace, I want you to excel in grace. Yeah, I want you to be excellent in grace. Let's jump ahead in my notes just a little ways uh, to, I think it's page four. I wrote a book for y'all today. But uh, in the middle of page one, two, three, yeah, page, uh, page four. Uh, here's, what, here's what excel means. It means super abound. The Bible urges us to excel in grace. It means we super abound in grace. You know, if your spouse is here, just kind of look her or him in the eye and go, am I super abounding in grace to you, sweetheart? Uh, 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 Super abound. You know, what's funny is it is a word, but my dictionary didn't recognize it. It it kicked it out as as a typo and they wanted super space abound. But super abound is in fact a word. To say, you know what, uh, I am learning to superabound to ministry. I'm learning to superabound in the grace of God. Uh, I'm telling youth pastor stories for some reason today. I was youth pastor and uh, I saw this guy walking down Malden Road. He had, uh, he had a chain in his, uh, uh, in his ear and it went to his nose. And so he had a chain like that. And then he had a chain wrapped around his neck. And he wore a black trench coat. And so I started to try to get him to come to church. And I wanted to tell him about Jesus. And guess what? We only had one building then, this one. And he came on Sunday. And he walks in all chained up. And the ushers kicked him out. (laughs) It's like, brothers and sisters, we are here to superabound in grace. Are you tracking with me? Now, please don't go get a chain in your ear and your nose. I am not supporting chained up behavior. I am saying, however, if you're chained up, we got grace for you. Come on in and hear about Jesus. Come on in and learn about the love of the Lord. To be above and beyond in grace. Above and beyond in grace. To exceed the ordinary. Talking about the definition of excel uh, in the Greek. To exceed the ordinary. Pastor Sheneman used to tell me, you know, you can't even count when you go the first mile. Everybody goes the first mile. And you shouldn't even count when you go the second mile. Because most people will go the second mile. He said, you as a Christian should only begin to count when you exceed the ordinary. Amen. So I'm hoping that this little series of teachings that we have will help you exceed the ordinary in grace. It'll help you exceed the ordinary to go beyond the expected measure to surpass. Amen. To surpass. I hope you get known as a woman who surpasses in grace. And this is sort of archaic, but it's still pretty, pretty uh, biblical to say, you know what? She's a gracious woman. He's a gracious man. You know, Pastor Gary Morton, Anchorage First Assembly, good buddy of mine. I, I'm just, it's not right to be jealous of somebody, but he is so gracious. 
I mean, he, he just is the nicest, gracious. I think, I wish I could be nice like that. You know, like if you fall down and, and skin your knee, he's going to say, oh, I bet that hurts. I'm going to say, don't do that again. You know, I just don't have the grace he has. And uh, he's so, so gracious. Well, to excel. And, and what do I hope you will excel? I, I want to do the biggest word I know. And then I want to do the three specifics that the Apostle Paul talks about. Now, last Sunday, we learned about a passage that's about money, and people don't talk about money. Well, this one is about money as well, but I'm not going to talk about money. We did that last week. I'm going to use the grace of giving life, grace I can think of. We want you to excel in the grace of giving life. The grace of giving life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That everywhere you go, people are more alive. That just bumping into you in a hallway at work or bumping into you at a restaurant or seeing you somewhere, uh, seeing you mow your lawn or, or shovel your snow one day, hopefully, in Alaska, when people see that one of the things they say about you is, when he or she's around, I have life. There's just something about being with you that I feel more alive. I feel more awakened to God's world. The biggest word I want to feature is where we go, we give life. Having received God's grace, we now do Paul's trilogy and now abideth faith, hope, and love. Having received God's grace, we give faith. We give faith. Just, just being in your presence, may somebody say, I was out of faith, but you came and you gave me faith. I didn't think I could hold on another day, but your kind word or your presence or your prayer or your gift or your, or your, your, meta, your, your uh, kindnesses towards me, somehow you infi- inspired my faith. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That I come alongside you, Lord willing, you come alongside me, Lord willing, and give me faith. I was playing basketball years ago, and I landed on Sam Humphrey's foot, Pastor Sam Humphrey's foot, and rolled my ankle all the way over, and he goes, ow, and he pulled his foot out and snapped my ankle. I, stu- I looked down, I was standing on my leg bone, not on my ankle. Well, my mom and dad were getting divorced. Life was really tough. And I was trying to work. And Betty, my mother-in-law, was the church administrator for Pastor Shineman. And I'm trying. My, from my knee to my toe, it was that swollen. You couldn't even tell I had an ankle. And uh, I went to the... I, I, nobody would help me. They thought I was kidding. So I had a, a, a clutch car. And so I tried to push the clutch with my right foot and then get to the hospital. I get to Providence Emergency Room. And the... The lady there goes, oh no. I'm thinking, could you not say that? I'm worried about this enough already, right? Well, anyways, uh, Betty said to Pastor Shenneman, I don't think you know how bad his leg is hurt. And so uh, uh, he called me in. I took, I had, they couldn't cast it because it was too swollen. So I took the bandage off and Pastor Shenneman wept over my broken leg, over my foot. And, uh, but then about a week later, I still have it. I should have brought it. About a week later, I got a letter. Dear Pastor Kent, I'll never forget this word. 
I want to say what a boon you have been to me personally. A boon. What a blessing you've been to me personally. And I know this is a very difficult trial in your life. But I just want you to know, God is building a champion. Love, Neil. He just built my faith. I'm like, yeah, break my other leg. I'm ready to go. You know? I mean, what an incredible gift to have somebody build your faith. I prayed over every chair here yesterday. I do that every Saturday, almost every Saturday. And I don't know where you were going to sit. Like, uh, you changed sides on me right there. But anyways, uh, you know, I don't know where people are going to sit every Sunday. But I prayed this, that just coming in, you'd bump into somebody. You'd hear a song, or you'd smell of incense, or you'd go to a cross, or you'd take a communion, or something would happen. And your faith would be built all over again. We give the grace of faith. We give the grace of hope for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. And the, the, the world is dominated by a spirit of hopelessness. Uh, and it's, it's not just depression. It's a philosophical existentialism. If you like philosophy, uh, the, the father of existentialism, or at least one of the deeply rooted guys in existentialism is Jean-Paul Sartre. And Jean-Paul Sartre said, nothing has meaning unless you give it meaning. The world is meaningless. You attach meaning to something that it has meaning. And so his famous line was this, I don't know whether to go bowling today or commit suicide because neither one has meaning unless you give it meaning, according to Jean-Paul Sartre. You go to his university and you study under those kind of philosophers, you're going to wake up someday and go, I need a church where I can go and find a little hope. Life does not have meaning because you attach it. Life has meaning because you were made in the image of God by a God who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Every human life is valuable from one cell in the womb to a 120-year-old who can't move. And if you are in the world, don't lose hope, brothers and sisters. Wherever you go, you excel in the grace of giving hope. And the greatest of these is love. You excel in the grace of giving love. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I want you to just grab hold of the ideas that are being presented today on Excel in this area. Notice in John 10, our first subtext today, I've come that you might have life abundant. Notice the word abundant and Excel would go together. To Excel is to go into greater abundance. Romans 15, when we talked about hope, it says abounding in hope. Not just a little hope, but abounding, abundant life. So, Mitzvah 12 says, outdo one another in showing honor. So, it's kind of funny. Paul is creating competition. No, I'm trying to outdo you, Chris. I'm trying to, I want to honor. No, you say, no, I want to honor you. 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 He says, try to outdo each other in honor. Have you ever seen people in churches try to outdo one another in shame? And outdo one another in disgrace? Brothers and sisters, we're to excel in the grace of giving honor. We're to excel in the grace of outdoing one another. 
Would you read these with me? I know uh, maybe you've lost my, my, where I'm at in my notes, but I'm in the middle of this page. Having received God's grace, I excel in giving life. See that there? Let's read them together. Having received God's grace, I excel in giving life. Having received God's grace, I excel in giving faith. Having received God's grace, I excel in giving hope. And having received God's grace, I excel in giving love. The best test of this is not external or internal in me. But the best test is internal within those to whom we give this life, faith, hope, and love. Here's here's the idea. You can feel like you give life. But if the people that you feel you're giving life to don't experience life, you're measuring the wrong place. And this is from Servant Leadership, a 1979 book that kind of uh, really rattled the world on, on leadership. But he says, the best test, do those who served grow as persons? You say, hey, I'm a servant leader. He's going, okay, let's find out how good you are. Are those people you're serving growing as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? So... Greenleaf, it cracked me up because I was in a master's in leadership. I had to read Greenleaf, servant leadership. And he's famous and rich. Yeah, he's deceased now. But he wrote this book on servant leadership. And basically, it's the principles of Jesus. You know, we knew this like 2,000 years ago. But it took a guy from AT&T to write a book on servant leadership. But what he's saying is the measurement is not what is in you. The measurement is what is the person who's following you. What is, the, uh, what is happening in the person that you are influencing? He moved it from measuring internally to measuring the other guy's experience. So I thought, what if we morph Greenleaf into this concept and say it this way? The best test is, do those who receive God's grace through me grow as persons? Do they, while receiving, become more alive, faithful, hopeful, loveful, and more likely themselves to excel in giving God's grace? So, uh, I think the story of the Good Samaritan, where the the priest is walking by, and there is a guy in the gutter, beat up and robbed, and he can't obviously get up or he get out of the gutter. He is by the side of the road, so incapacitated, he can't get up. The priest has to be religious. It's nearing the Sabbath. If he helps the guy, he will be ceremonially unclean. He can't religiously touch the guy and keep his religious duties that day. And so he walks by on the other side of the road. Tommy Davis again, he said this, I have a question. What did Judaism look like to the guy in the gutter? 
What did Judaism look like? Because this guy was all spiritual. He couldn't touch that which was unclean. Blood and, and whatever else goes with being incapacitated on the side of the road. He couldn't touch that. He had to go do his ministry. And though Greenleaf, he pulls that out in, in his book on servant leadership, which is not a Christian book, but he pulls that out and he says, we're not going to measure how the priest feels. He's thinking, praise God, I'm a holy priest. I'm going to the temple to serve my sacrifices. He's feeling good. Greenleaf and Jesus said, we're not measuring the priest. We're measuring what the guy in the gutter experienced through the priest. Are people around you more alive, more full of faith, more full of hope, more full of love? Praise the Lord for this opportunity. We're going to approach the Lord's table and do Holy Communion. And when we do so, I want you to remember Ephesians 1 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you get that? I I have a hard time getting that myself. What is it? I have every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. His grace has given you every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. Here's the line for today. To the praise of his glorious grace. Jesus Redemption through his blood, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Here's the line for today. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Praise God. Well, here's a little grace, Kent. No, he lavished it on us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, to the praise of his glorious grace. This will be part of my sermons in the future, but let's do one through five on that last page quickly. We give God's grace by example. Praise God. That's why I gave Neil Shineman stories today. He was a great example of God's grace for me. Rick Benjamin is a good example for for me of God's grace. I'm going, man, I just can't see. He goes, you need more grace, can't. Number two, we extend God's grace by proclamation, by our words. You know, your tongue has the power of life and death. If you're a a woman, you're invited to a a women's conference this weekend where they're going to speak life into five different wounds. It's, It's your proclamation. It's what you say. You have the power of this. Number three, by your presence. You, you, you build faith and grace and hope and life and love by being there. We'll talk about that. 
by your provisions. Barbara's here today, and uh, I love to honor her 